Welcome to All About Capital Campaigns, a podcast that provides fuel for your nonprofit's growth. Each week, hosts Andrea Kilstedt and Amy Eisenstein, co-founders of the Capital Campaign Toolkit, provide practical tips about raising more money for your nonprofit organization. The Capital Campaign Toolkit is a support system for nonprofit leaders who are running capital campaigns. At CapitalCampaignToolkit.com, you can download a step-by-step guide for your capital campaign and get many other free resources. This podcast is recorded on a live webinar every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. You can join the live session and get your questions answered by signing up today at ToolkitTalks.com. there. I'm Andrea Kilstead, a co-founder of the Capital Campaign Toolkit. I'm so happy to have you with with me today. My my, uh, co-founder, Amy Eisenstein, is is on vacation today at the beach, I hope. But I am joined by our wonderful Capital Campaign Toolkit advisor, Kent Stroman, who who told me about a wonderful story he had with one of our clients and their boards giving to the campaign. I asked Kent if he would come on and do a recording with me to share what he learned and the remarkable success that organization had. And here he is, Kent, welcome. Thanks, Andre. It's always a treat to be with you. Well, Kent, I'm uh, I'm I'm excited now to learn what you did. We are not going to share the name of the organization here because we don't want to give away any anything that is confidential. But this is a story that has actually happened quite recently, and you really led this organization to remarkable success very early in um, in the campaign process uh, to really greatly increase and improve their board giving processes. Well, thank you for the nice comment, but I'll tell you the um, the credit all goes to the board members and uh, and the leaders, whether on staff or um, or uh, the officers of the organization. I am so proud of the way that they've taken some fairly simple guidance and really put it to spectacular use. Well, first of all, the clients is. Um, Uh, is uh, an organization that works with individuals who um, have disadvantages in life, which I think it makes it, um, I'd say they have an unfair advantage uh, because how can you not be compassionate towards an organization that serves others in areas that they simply can't help themselves? And so uh, the, the board is filled with people of great compassion. And, um, but at the same time, they're like many organizations, their history is such that um, they usually live up to what's expected of them. And so if we don't have expectations for board giving, oftentimes we don't have contributions. And so that was one of the first things that we changed early on. And that is that um, uh, the participation rate, the idea of 100% of board members making personal financial contributions to the campaign uh, simply was not negotiable. <clears throat> and um, even though there were, there were some that were maybe not prepared initially to receive the message, um, we, we just laid that foundation of expectation. In fact, let me just mention this, that um, 
um, I like to always go and find out what's the basis of expectations. And so do you have an expectation of service? And they do. And for how long, I don't know, but they've had this thing that says they expect board members to, and I'm going to use a bad word, Andrea, give or get a certain number of dollars. And you know what happens when we have it, an option like that. And so anyway, I, I like to just be playful with it. I said, you know, we don't like the word or, but we love the word and. Um, what's wrong with and? And, and so um, anyhow, I, again, like I said, just uh, began to establish a culture of, ex, of higher expectations. Um, did a board training. And in the- before you talk about that, I, when you established expectations, did you work with the executive director to do that or the board chair? How did you manage the politics of redefining those expectations? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question, Andrea, because um, here's what I find often is that we have the we, we task the wrong person with the job. We have an expectation of the CEO to manage board performance. And in the especially touchy area of personal financial contributions, one of the first things I do is, is to um, kind of go on record in front of the, uh, the, the board leadership by s- saying that the staff is positionally disqualified. This isn't only that it isn't their role, but it is not their role to be asking for contributions for board members. Uh, This is a board performance matter, and it's to be handled uh, by the board, uh, of the board. And so, again, that was a shift. Um, And and so, um, fortunately, the board chair is someone who's, uh, this is her first role as a board chair, but she is really receptive to uh, coaching and developing her role as a leader in that position. And so, um, and she doesn't seem to be afraid of anything. <laughs> so that, that's been just an ideal um, situation to work then through both the, um, uh, with the reinforcement of the governance committee and the board chair, just to say board performance Really, uh, is the responsibility of the board. It is not the responsibility of the staff. Right. Great. Thank you. Okay. And so then she or the someone from the governance committee went to a board meeting and said, we are discussing, coming up with, recommending new, new standards for board performance. How did that work? Good question again. So since they had this existing... Um, low expectation. Um, We didn't feel like we had the time to uh, properly give attention to the reframing. So the existing policy doesn't prevent high performance. It just doesn't require it. And so we said um, uh, the for the long term, the uh, the board expectation statement really deserves revision. But in the meantime, let's not be inhibited by that and let's just lead with higher expectations. <clears throat> and so in a board training, um, being in that position of the outside consultant uh, advisor, it allowed me just to state some things, some expectations that exist and that this is going to be 
our expectation for the campaign as we move forward. And uh, there, there may be a revision of expectations on an ongoing basis separate from that. And, you know, one of the things, Andrea, that I found helpful, um, the, the, the determination of an amount to give is a very, very personal matter. And so it's awkward to try to address that for somebody else. And so the, pro the approach that I take to that is that it's, it's not my place or anybody else's place to determine somebody else's giving level. It's hard enough for me to decide how much I should give. There's no way I can do that for somebody else. And so here's a guideline. And, and uh, the guideline that we use is that in ordinary times, we expect that um, board members would consider the organization on whose board they serve to be among their top three, four, or five charitable interests. That's an aspirational statement. Nobody's going to audit or monitor that. But once it's voiced, it gives people a point of reference. And then what we say is during extraordinary times, defined as times of great crisis, or times of great opportunity, we encourage board members to bump that up to where the, the organization may be among their top one, two, or three priorities. And so we're moving into a major uh, campaign. Would you consider elevating the, uh, the, the priority for this organization to a higher level in your charitable giving? And so the good news is they did and while there were some, uh, in fact, I believe, I believe this is correct for this particular organization. Um, I don't know if in their history they had ever reached that 100% participation rate. But that now is in the, in the past history. So the good news is 100% of their board members did make personal financial commitments. We asked for three-year pledges. And some, I think, will extend their, their giving to achieve their goal into a fourth year. But everybody made personal financial contributions. Some were able to supplement that with additional uh, giving very generously, offering their personal professional services in addition to their uh, gifts of cash and checks. But the um, and I'm going to I'm going to give you a number, but then I want to give you a context for it. OK, so collectively, the members of this board have committed one million six hundred thirty one thousand dollars towards a campaign that hasn't even been announced yet. They're not even in the quiet phase yet. They're still in the feasibility phase. One point six million dollars from the boardroom. And here's the point of of reference in terms of annual board giving. I don't, um, I don't know that in any uh, time in the past that they've ever gotten into the six figure range. Wow. And so um, here's what I don't know. I don't know where any of the giving would fall individually on a generosity scale. Right. My assumption is that everyone who has pledged, it's a generous gift for them. But here's what I do know, that everybody, every member of this board has made a, a, a pledge or a gift that um, e eclipses their past giving. 
And so collectively, one of the things um, I've got the the development director working on this, but one of the things that we think is that this amount that I just shared, we believe it's greater than all board giving combined in the history of the organization. Oh my goodness. I am so proud of them. <laughs> okay, that is a fantastic story. Now I have some questions for you. Sure. Um, so once you got the board to say, yes, we will do 100% participation and yes, we will, you know, give as, you know, give in somewhere in the range of our top three charitable gifts, then how did you go about soliciting that? So, um, again, I made reference to a, um, a very proactive board chair. Yeah. And um, when when it was ready for solicitation season to begin, to begin, she announced it. Um, she chose a deadline and said that we would like everybody to have their uh, commitments in by this date. And so uh, then uh, produced a very simple one-page response sheet that was voiced specifically in terms of board member campaign commitments. And uh, then those were distributed and uh, and they were asked to be returned on a, on a um, kind of an independent basis. Uh, when we were two or three days ahead of that deadline, she did follow up. Now, um, there was a, I, I will tell you that, that um, sometimes we say, you know, there's two ways to get to 100%. They both involve a signature. One is on a pledge card, the other is on a resignation. And uh, this, it did involve one board member resigning. It was not a traumatic thing. So uh, this particular board member had been um, attending very few board meetings. So there was a performance issue there. Uh, The board member, I believe, historically had not contributed either. And so during this same uh, time frame, um, she set up a, a meeting with this person in today's world, in this particular state, this was a virtual meeting. And uh, she simply said to him, I've been wanting to talk with you about your involvement in the board going forward. He said, you know, I've been needing to talk with you about that as well. And went on to say that he just felt like that, that his involvement in the board um, wasn't up to the level of expectation that he would have for himself. And that he sees himself as being, uh, able to be effective to be involved in other areas. Well, I mean, Andrea, you couldn't craft a better lead in for that. And the point that I take from that, and it's so often the case, <clears throat> and that is um, underperforming board members usually know that they're underperforming. Right. And often, if nobody else cares about it, and if they don't care about it, they just keep doing what they've been doing. And uh, but it, it was a um, it, in, in a lot of ways, I believe this was a relief to this board member to realize that there is an honorable exit and there's a way to continue to be involved with a mission that I have passion for without displacing somebody else by occupying a seat that I'm not going to uh, do so actively. Right. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I love that story. 
Thank you. Um, once, uh, once, so once the chair had been followed up with everyone and gotten commitments by the deadline, and I assume that's yeah. what happened, right? Actually, I think one or two of them extended a day or two beyond the deadline. Okay. And it was an arbitrary deadline, but it did what arbitrary deadlines do. Right. It moved everybody to action and yes. a couple uh, showed up a day or two late and nobody cares. Right. <laughs> okay. And then was there a way to celebrate? Yes. I'm so glad you asked about that because in the um, one of the things that I had explored early on in the engagement was this question. And I like to ask it this way. Um, how, how would we rate our culture of celebration? And I'll just give a one to 10 scale and ask everybody, uh, on a count of three to show your fingers. And um, it was interesting. I didn't see any tens. And I did see numbers that ranged from about three to eight different perspectives from the same group of people. But here's what they, they all decided that this is something that we could do better and we should do better. And they immediately set out to do better. And so um, uh, when I became aware of the numbers, I just asked the question, how are we going to celebrate? And uh, there, there came some really um, creative ways that they were going to do at the next board meeting, which was actually just a few days later. They were going to make this uh, announcement. And I don't know what the specifics were. Um, I'm quite sure there was a toast that was involved. Um, and I, um, I don't know if they actually came through with the, uh, you know, the party poppers that the blast confetti into the air or whatever. Um, but they did some things which weren't customary, but were certainly suitable for this moment in time. And, um, and here's what the board chair immediately picked up on. <clears throat> she said this, uh, with just a slight adjustment, this number represents 10% of what we think our campaign goal is going to be. Uh. And nobody had dreamed that this board might be able to be generous at that point. And so the thing that I underscored with her is when you talk about it is um, we'll be able at some point to celebrate that the giving that occurred in the boardroom was able to leverage eventually nine ninefold giving outside the boardroom. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, that's, that's just a wonderful story, Kent. Thank you so much for for sharing it. I can imagine that that's also made every board member more excited about and interested in the campaign. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I have this this saying that that once we make an investment, we can't ignore it. <laughs> You know, when you have no dollars at risk, it's easy to not pay attention to a thing, right? And if you're not convinced, I just encourage somebody to go out and buy a few shares of a given stock. Yeah, it's amazing what happens, isn't it? Yeah. Well, in the world where I live, you know, I'm in in oil and gas country. If you buy a, a, a gas company stock, you're going to start buying gas someplace different than you used to. <laughs> And the board giving, the early board giving has exactly that effect. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Right. And um, I think then taking that next step, what about the board getting? Um, and, you know, one of the things I'm always cautious about is asking people to do what they're not equipped to do. And so um, I like to pick on myself. You know, we were talking earlier. Um, I'm 
for whatever reason, not, not my own doing, I'm taller than an average human being. I'm five foot 17. And there are some things that I can do well, but one that I can't is ballet. And so if you want somebody to dance ballet, it doesn't matter how many lessons you give me. It is going to be an ugly show if I'm involved. So there's probably something that I can do to support the ballet besides dance ballet. And in fundraising, some um, some board members are well suited to be part of the fundraising uh, solicitation process. But everybody can be involved to some degree in cultivation, even if the only thing they do is make an introduction and then tell their own story. And when those stories are told, it's always more powerful than the teller than the teller believes it's going to be. That is a great that is a wonderful story. And I am just excited to share this with our community. Kent, I always find it so incredibly sort of eye opening to spend time with you and hear you talk about fundraising. You have you have a way of of putting complicated learnings into simple, simple, compelling language that everyone understands, including me. Well, it's essential because if it's very complicated, I can't understand it. So I've got to um, make it simple to wrap my mind around it to share with others. Well, I'm sure, Kent, that the people who listen to this podcast are going to be taking notes as I have been taking notes. And they will put your words of wisdom and your practices, your simple, clear practices to use in their own organization. And and I I hope that even without you, they too can get 100% board participation and can greatly increase the amount of money their boards give to their campaign. Well, you know, I think that's what's so rewarding about the work that we get to do. Um, Impact is seen literally uh, around the world, uh, oftentimes by people that we'll never meet. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, I got to say a big, uh, a big uh, compliment to you, Andre and Amy, for creating the Capital Campaign Toolkit. So timely and so impactful uh, for uh, for so many organizations. Thanks for having the vision to do that. Well, Kent, it wouldn't work if we didn't have you as an advisor and our other really remarkable advisors who have adapted their way of their way of practice, you know, mm. into a new, more efficient, perhaps way. I'm, I'm, I'm actually amazed, and perhaps you are too, in how much we advisors can get done through Zoom and and electronically. It, it's it's fantastic. So agreed. <laughs> thank you, Kent. It's a pleasure to work with you all always, and I we will be talking talking again very soon. Thanks for joining Amy and Andrea for today's All About Capital Campaigns. To learn more about them and their work together, go to capitalcampaigntoolkit.com.